The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. He is the one of whom I said, A man is coming after me who ranks ahead of me, because he existed before me. I did not know him. But the reason why I, why I came baptizing with water was that he might be made known to Israel. John testified further, saying, I saw the Spirit come down like a dove from heaven and remain upon him. I did not know him. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, On whomever you see the Spirit come down and remain, he is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. There's some beautiful lines in the readings today. I, I hope you caught them, but there's one, there are lines that I've, I've spent a lot of time praying on in different uh, instances. The first, first from the first reading is this beautiful line that we hear, which says, It is too little, the Lord says, for you to be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the survivors of Israel. I will make you a light to the nations, and my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Why is that a powerful line? I think it's a powerful line because uh, often we want to just do good. And we want to stop there. And that's what's kind of happening here. He says, it's too little that you do all of this amazing good stuff. You raise up the, restore the tribes of Israel. That's amazing. That is a huge thing. And that's what they want to do. They want to restore the tribes of Israel. And say, but, but God says, no, you're thinking too small. That's too little. I don't want you to just restore the tribes of Israel. I want you to be a light to the nations and bring salvation to all peoples. It's a beautiful line. It's a beautiful line that calls us on to something more. Now, how do we know what that is? Well, this is where I would go to uh, the second reading, actually what's called the, the psalm, but the second scripture that we get, which is from Psalm 40. And it says, um, Sacrifice or offerings you wished not. Sacrifice and offerings you wished not. Well, that's weird because this is the Old Testament. David's speaking this. And David, David uh, wanted to build a temple and that there was, Solomon actually did, his, his, his son did, uh, where sacrifice was offered. And even without the temple, sacrifice was offered because God demanded sacrifice and offerings. So here we hear in the Psalms, traditionally written by King David, saying, sacrifice or offerings you, didn't, you wish not. But ears open to obedience you gave me. It's kind of this desire of something more than just sacrifice and offerings. So sometimes it's really easy for humans to offer sacrifice and offerings and then we're done. In fact, that's part of the, what Jesus kind of addresses in a lot of Pharisees and says, well, I gave God my 10%, so I'm good, right? You kind of do your little part and then you're able to step back and do whatever you want with the other 90%. And that's the problem at times with the 
sacrifice and offering. Sacrifice and offering is necessary. We need to give God that 10%. We need to offer that sacrifice because God asked for it. Not because once we give that sacrifice and offering, we can go do whatever we want, but because that 10% or whatever that sacrifice and offering that we give to God hopefully opens up our ears, that we're obedient to the Lord and that that transforms the other 90%. But too often we treat it in the Old Testament, as well as in the modern day, in the pharisaical way, where we give God that 10%, or maybe that one hour on Sunday, and then the rest of the week we've got is all ours. And that's not what it's meant to be. It's meant to be that place. And in fact, if that's all that it is, God doesn't want that. He wants something more. Now I'll go on to the last, uh, the last kind of phrase that I love in these scriptures today is, John, is, uh, John sees Jesus coming back towards him and he says, Behold the Lamb of God. Now, I almost got tripped up when I was reading the gospel uh, today because I wanted to continue what I normally say when I say that. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Right? And so this should bring us right into Mass and think, uh, of that moment at Mass, which is a beautiful place, again, where John the Baptist, in some ways, the priest, I love the, the priestly role of John the Baptist, where he says, he must increase and I must decrease. And that's the role of the priest as well. Even though that the priest stands in the person of Jesus Christ at certain moments when he uh, consecrates the Eucharist, saying, this is my body, he also is John the Baptist, saying, pointing to Jesus at all times and saying, behold the Lamb of God. And that's what we want this Mass to be as well. Behold the Lamb of God. And that's a beautiful state, beautiful place in Mass. It's actually a place, uh, what I'll say is adoration. If you think about where we are in the Mass at that point, we're kneeling. We're, uh, we, we've just uh, celebrated a lot of the Mass. This is right towards the end. We're kneeling. We're about to prepare ourselves to receive our Lord in the Eucharist. His body, blood, soul, and divinity to receive him into, into our body, into our heart. And right before that, to prepare ourselves, the church instructs the priest to hold up the Eucharist, expose the Eucharist to the people, and say, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Now again, the rest of the world just sees a piece of bread. But we as Catholics come here and we say, that is Jesus Christ, right? That is Jesus Christ. And so every single time that we come to Mass, we, we reaffirm our faith, our listening ear, our desire to do something more than just the bare minimum, but to come before him and to adore him and to say, I believe. I think it's one of the, the uh, fallacies in some ways that we uh, here sometimes where uh, because you were baptized as a child, you didn't really choose the faith. Reminds you that every single time that we come to Mass, we renew our baptismal vows. We choose for ourselves our faith. Now, maybe we don't do that every single time. Maybe some kids here, you know, maybe, you know, aren't as enthusiastic. Or, or maybe some of us sometimes come here and we're like, I don't know if I want to renew my baptismal vows, you know? I'm in a difficult place. I don't know quite what I'm, but I'm here, Okay. The Mass is a beautiful place to renew your baptismal vows because you are rejecting sin. You're saying, I have failed. I reject sin, right? We do that at the beginning. And that we choose Christ, that I believe that Jesus Christ is truly present 
in his sacraments, and especially in the Eucharist here in this. And so every single time when we're engaged in the Mass, we renew our baptismal vows. Yeah, our parents maybe chose it for us while we were children, while we were babies, but we make the choice every single time that we come to Mass. Every single time that we go to prayer, we renew our baptismal vows, we renew our place as who we are in relationship with Jesus Christ, okay? So this isn't just another thing to get through, another step in it all. This is choosing Jesus Christ, choosing true faith. Faith, I believe and trust that what looks like ordinary bread and wine has become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, that I can receive him, that I can gnaw on his flesh and receive eternal life because Jesus Christ has instituted the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist, established his church, and gives that still to us 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years later, that his presence is truly here, okay? So what does that call us to? Well, it should call us to, as a church, a love of the Eucharist. And that's what I want to call us on today, especially, is a love of the Eucharist to realize that this is that amazing gift that's talked about in the first reading, that light to the nations, to make disciples of all nations, to bring salvation to all nations, And one of the ways that we do that is through the Eucharist. And one of the ways that we worship and offer sacrifice is that we worship and adore the Eucharist because it is Jesus Christ. And we do that with a listening ear in obedience to him. It's one of the things that I've desired as I've come here and and been the priest is to to grow in a greater, as as well as a previous priest, I think uh, emphasized it a lot, of this love of the Eucharist. This, this adoration of the Eucharist, this greater reverence and, and approach to the Eucharist to realize what kind of a gift we really are receiving. And I've been kicking it around for the last two years trying to think about how do we do this in a better way? And some of the ways that we do that is by uh, offering uh, a good liturgy, by having altar servers who know what they're doing, by having uh, kneelers, by having beauty, by having things set up in a good way by having good music. We do all those things to help us to give reverence to the Eucharist and reverence to Mass. But we also do that outside of it as well. And especially in adoration. And adoration is something that uh, I had a lot of in my previous parish, which were uh, a country parish. I I was a priest of a town of 8,000 and we had four parishes kind of in the area uh, a parish in a town that wasn't even a town anymore, you know, just a, a few houses. I mean, literally like 10 houses, you know, but it was a farming community and other things. And they had two perpetual adoration chapels. So 24 hours a day, seven days a week, in two places, somebody was before the Lord adoring him in the Eucharist. The Eucharist that was exposed, kind of like, I would say very similar to the point in Mass when the priest holds up the Eucharist and says, Behold the Lamb of God, where people come in and they adore the Lord. And sometimes that means being on their knees and praying the entire time. And I know some people who did that. Other people, it was uh, sitting down and praying a rosary. Some people, it was journaling. Some people, it was praying intentionally for that long list of people that they need to pray for. Some people, it was coming in and just arguing with God and struggling with where they were. But for in two places in our parish, two different places, 
24 hours a day, seven days a week, there was always somebody before the Blessed Sacrament. And it transforms families. It transforms lives. It is difficult in the middle of the night, for sure. But it's what we need. Because we need to give more than just our sacrifice and offering and then walk away. And for this parish, for the last two years while I've been here, the only kind of consistent adoration is uh, on the first Friday for one hour, which is wholly inadequate. Uh, Wholly inadequate for us to encounter the Lord in his presence and to adore him and what we need. And so it's been uh, on my prayer this entire new year of just a desire for more adoration. And sometimes the only way that we do that is just by starting out. And so that's what we're going to do. We're just, we're just going to start out. And I don't know where it's going to go. And I hope that it goes somewhere. And I know that we have some amazing people. I know that we're in the military and that people are coming and going all the time. And I know that it's going to be difficult. And I know that, that times, you know, it's really hard to commit to things. But I think we just need to start something because we need to adore the Lord. We need to give him our time. Uh, Father Jacob, I was talking to him about this before this, and he gave a good analogy. It's like, uh, you know, coming to Mass is going to a party with Jesus, okay? You know, maybe you don't get as much intimate time, but you're talking to other people. You want to be there, or maybe it's kind of like a meeting. You know, you're kind of syncing, you're syncing up with him. You're trying to connect where he is. You're hearing from him and other things, but you're not necessarily getting close. If you just go to a party with your friends, or if you just go to meetings with your friends, you don't really become close. Where do you become close with your friends? by getting coffee with them, by spending some intentional time one-on-one with them. And that's what I think adoration is. Uh, It doesn't replace mass, okay? I don't want to give that intention, right? Uh, But it's deepening by having that encounter of one-on-one, kind of like sitting and having coffee. You you have a coffee with a friend. You'll spend an hour or two talking to a friend. Well, can you make that commitment to Jesus to just spend an hour with him? We're going to kick off this Friday, already this Friday. I'm just throwing it out there, all right? We're starting this Friday, and we're going to start adoration at 9 o'clock in the morning, and we're going to go until 5 p.m. at night when daily Mass is on Friday. And I know that some people work, and I know that doesn't quite work the best for people who are working. I, 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 know, I know that Friday doesn't quite work the best because people are trying to get out for the weekend. I know that every single Friday doesn't quite work. I, I get that. I, I get that it's not a perfect system. And I also would challenge to say that there is no perfect system, which is why I've delayed it for two years and why I'm finally convinced that we need to just start. And what I'd like to challenge all of you to do is to consider coming in on Friday and to sit before the Lord. Traditionally, it's always an hour time frame. Nothing special about an hour other than it's easy to measure, okay? Um, and, And what we're really looking for is 16 people. That's eight hours. We have eight hours during that time. And we'd like two people for each hour. Well, why two people? Well, ideally, because sometimes people get stuck with something. Sometimes there's emergencies. And we always need somebody before adoring the Eucharist, somebody who's there and present with Jesus so that Jesus isn't left alone, okay? Because we want to give him that respect and place him as our Lord. And so ideally, we have eight hours and that two people for each hour, and that we have 16 people throughout our parish, which is, I think, very doable, considering the fact that we have 500 to 600 people come each weekend to Mass. So 16 people, 16 people who are committed and say, I am going to try every single Friday to make this hour. Now, again, 
That doesn't mean that you can never leave, okay? It, it just means that maybe you need to invite a friend to come with your hour, somebody who maybe doesn't know what adoration is or maybe is uncovered with it, and we try to invite more people in and we're going to have some subs, some people who are maybe like, hey, I'd really like to help out, but my schedule is too crazy. But I really want to be able to help out. Or maybe it's because, hey, I'm comfortable with anything. Um, and with those two people committed to each hour to be able to make sure that it's always fit. And sometimes those two people are going to be gone. But hopefully we get some other people in. And you know what? At a certain time, you're going to PCS and you're going to change. And absolutely, we completely understand that. And hopefully we can change out. That's what happened with the 24-hour adoration at the previous parish. People left. I had a 3 a.m. holy hour that I gave to my friend who moved into town. Okay, uh, I convinced him and his wife, so him and his wife uh, trade off uh, going to 3 a.m. on Friday morning. Okay, uh, and, I, and I pulled him into that, and it's been an amazing grace for him. It would have been something that he would have never chosen on his own, but because it, his priest friend asked him to. Now, also, this couple I went to grade school with, so I was able to make that ask to them. It's really, really cool. But I was able to ask them and invite them into that. And it, it, it's, it's, it, I know that it's been beneficial to them. Again, not something that they would necessarily choose, but something that we invite in, something that we make a commitment to. It's one of the realities I know for myself is that sometimes we need to make commitments to things uh, and to be able to hold to that. And so I'm going to challenge you to pray throughout this Mass, to ask Lord, Can I make a commitment on Friday? Can I come to adoration? Maybe I don't know what adoration is, but I know that I need to pray more and I know that I need a commitment from something outside of myself. And I know that it'd be easier not to, but I'm gonna make this commitment to do it, okay? I'm gonna make this commitment. I'm gonna try to fit it in, okay? Uh, If you're in a place to be able to do that, or at least interested to learn more, or at least, you know, like, hey, maybe I wanna go with somebody else who's already doing it. Uh, I invite you to, Megan will be in the back with little cards to sign up. Uh, we're going to create a flock note group, and then we're going to kind of create it out of that. If you're already ready and you're like, hey, I've got the 10 o'clock hour on Friday, tell Megan and she'll write it down, and we'll start compiling those 16 people who hopefully be committed. It'll be a dynamic list. We, we know that. We know that it'll change from week to week. We know that it'll change month to month. Absolutely. Uh, but we're going to try to move this forward. We're going to try to... Uh, not just like the first reading says, it's too little to just restore the tribes of Israel. We're here to be a light to the nations, to bring salvation to all people. And I think that's true as well. The mass is so important. We need to be here for the mass. But, but there's so much more. And I think that I know myself, I need more prayer. And sometimes I need to make a commitment to that. And so I'm going to make a commitment to do at least one of those hours every single Friday. Um, and to, to maybe fill a hole or different things. And, and I hope that you also can step up to be able to do that, to behold the Lamb of God, to behold him who takes away the sins of the world. The Eucharist is the most important gift that we have as Catholics. It's by far the most important gift. And I pray that you might be able to fall in greater love with that, understand it, and have that personal relationship uh, with Jesus to be able to know what he truly desires for your life, that he truly loves you, and that he wants to spend time with you.